Hi, welcome to the Girls Unstoppable podcast. This podcast aims to inspire girls to become unstoppable women. Each episode, you'll hear inspirational and motivational stories about women overcoming challenges and having a positive impact on their community around them. We endeavour to empower you to overcome opposition in everyday life as an unstoppable woman. I recently ran in a fun run. It was 8Ks around and through the Melbourne Zoo, which was the draw card for me really because I used to run in fun runs all the time, but I haven't done one for about eight years. But I loved the idea of running through the zoo past the giraffes and zebras and monkeys, so I signed up. And it was absolutely joyous. It reminded me how much running through the streets, or in this case the zoo, with a thousand other people can really lift your soul. But the most amazing thing about this was the next day when I looked up my results, just as a matter of interest, oh my God, I came 15th in my age group out of like hundreds. I couldn't believe my eyes. It was like I just discovered a superpower I didn't know I had. Is it too late to train for the Olympics? I literally thought to myself, my body is amazing. And then I thought, how did I not know that already? I'm Jo Stanley, TV and radio presenter and content creator. This podcast is Girls Unstoppable. And in this episode, we remember, or perhaps we learn for the first time, all the things that make our bodies amazing. This podcast is for everybody who has a body. But more specifically, it's for you if you've ever had a moment where you've hated or wanted to change something about your body. So again, that's pretty much everybody because all of our bodies are amazing, but all of us struggle to see that sometimes. So we're here to replace those negative thoughts about our bodies with understanding, respect, acceptance, and ultimately love. Joining me in this celebration of our amazing bodies is our panel, Elsa Hart is a GP and mum of an eight-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son. She's passionate about the environment, mental health and the Melbourne Football Club. She feels strongest when running, playing tennis or being in the great outdoors. And the best thing her body has done is drop in on an 11-foot high skateboard ramp. Elsa, that sounds terrifying. (laughs) How old were you when this happened? I think I was probably about 14 or 15 years old um, when I was into skateboarding back then. And uh, yeah, it was pretty terrifying, but I really wanted to conquer my fear of doing it. And yeah, I did. Could you imagine doing that now? (laughs) No way. (laughs) (laughs) Our second panelist, Jessica Sanders, is an author, advocate and social worker. She's previously worked at the Butterfly Foundation where she educated Australian students on the importance of a positive body image. In 2019, she wrote the best-selling children's book, Love Your Body, and her self-care guide for teens and adults, Me Time. Today, Love Your Body has sold into 29 territories around the world and been converted into several languages. Jess is passionate about supporting girls and women to celebrate their bodies and themselves. She says the best thing her body has done is climb Mount Kilimanjaro with five days notice and she feels strongest when she runs into the ocean in the middle of winter. Jess, it's awesome to have you. (laughs) Running into the ocean in the middle of winter is another thing I wouldn't do. Yeah, like I probably wouldn't recommend it. Oh, actually, I would recommend it. It's exhilarating, but um, it's one of those things where you probably feel most alive and all your senses are just like heightened. I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit of fun. I did it in Ireland once and um, it was like 
just I went numb, I guess. So you're discovering parts <laughs> of your body in different ways. I guess. Yeah, I just Isn't like I couldn't feel my body anymore. Yeah. It was just. <laughs> right. like, <laughs> so, what motivated you to write "Love Your Body"? Um, it's basically the book I wish I'd had when I was growing up. Um, and I think when I reflect back on my childhood and growing up from pretty much from the day that I went to primary school, like first day of prep till probably my early twenties, I spent that whole time really being dissatisfied with my body, um, and wanting to change it to meet a beauty ideal that I've been sold. And, um, one, I was frustrated that I spent all that time and energy being worried about what my body looked like and, and not appreciating it for what it did. Cause I have a great body that's fully functioning and very strong and I'm very grateful for it now. But um, also the amount of energy I had to spend unlearning all these um, toxic ideas that I'd learned about my body, um, which I still kind of have to on a daily basis. Like mm. I still have those thoughts pop up, but I'm really good at challenging them now and they get quieter and quieter as the years go on, which is nice. But um, I thought it's so unfair that young girls have to go through that whole process because my experience is very much the norm. Um, I was lucky enough to not develop an eating disorder, but I kind of sat in that middle range in my experience is a lot of people's experience. So I just thought that's really horrible. They shouldn't have to go through that. I want to share what I've learned and um, hopefully um, support some young people in the process. So, right. Yeah. So you've basically summarised the entire podcast there. I think we can all yeah. go home. <laughs> no, but it's brilliant. It's great to have you, Jess. <laughs> um, Katia Dana is a year 11 student at Strathcona Girls Grammar. She's a member of Strathcona Rowing and various different sports teams. She also works at a supermarket and has done so for many years. She's passionate about sport, her friends and her dog. When Katia finishes school, she plans to become a dentist, more specifically cosmetic dentistry. And Katia says the best thing her body has done is adapt to different vigorous sports and she feels strongest when she finally overcomes a difficult challenge. Katia, it's so great to have you as a part of this panel and this conversation uh, because you're the only one here who knows what it's like to be a teenager in 2020. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really, really valuable perspective. Um, You play so many sports which is amazing. What is it that you love about playing sports? What does it give you? Just everything, like the whole experience, just being with my friends. Like I just find it so fun and spending my time doing something that I like. So, yeah, just love it. All righty. And finally, Amber Soudan is Head of Staff and Student Wellbeing, Head of Health and PE at Strathcona Girls Grammar. She has postgraduate in Adolescent Health and Wellbeing and is the mother of two girls. She's passionate about empowering young people to invest in and take control of their health and wellbeing. She's the best thing her body has done is by far having two daughters. And she feels strongest when the girls in her care make good decisions based on what they've learned from her. No pressure, Katia. Now, you, you, you sit in a very important space because you have direct access to this next generation of women what's one of the key messages that you find yourself going back to over and over again um I think probably on reflection the key messages um that I would want any student in my care to really get to grips with is 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 they're actually going to be okay Mm. um I think society uh, does a good job at um, telling them that it's all going to be very hard in their future. Um, it's going to be very hard to buy a house. You'll ne- you know, house prices are so expensive. Um, you're never going to be in permanent employment. You know, employment's going to be very transient and you won't have a stable income. Um, and we tell them that they're entitled and they lack resilience. Um, and it's it's just a myth, Um And I think that's something that kids need to be reassured about or young people, I should say, need to be reassured about because um, they are really um, 
in terms of generation, I think the most agile um, learner, learner is my context, but the most agile young people um, that I've ever worked with. Um, and whilst they deal with a lot of negativity around their emotions and they're, and they're ridiculed often for being soft, they're actually very in tune um, with their emotional um, and mental health and wellbeing, um, which our generation never was. Um, and I think we should be celebrating that. Yeah. So let's dive into what is amazing ab- about our bodies. I want to ask the whole room, all of us here, what do you think are the best things about our bodies? I think it's all I like kind of covers everything. So it's a bit of a cheat answer, but the senses and how you get to experience um, life and just all the beautiful things that life has to offer. And it's not necessarily limited to one. So you've got like your eyes, you can see amazing, beautiful things. Um, I love to be in nature. So that's something that springs me a lot of joy um, and ears for music and like just, I know the feeling that you get when you hug someone that you love, like all that kind of stuff. You just get to experience all the best stuff through your body. And that's what I always come back to when I'm maybe having a bad day where I'm not particularly loving it for some reason. I'm just like, yep. And I sort of list off all those things that that I love and you can always bring them back to what your body is, yeah, how your body has allowed you to get there to whatever that experience is. Mm. I think the most amazing thing about um, our bodies is that um, your body actually doesn't work against you. It's, it's, It's built to work with you. Um, and if you invest in it um, and you treat it properly, that it will actually look after you. Uh, I think it's amazing the physical feats that the body can do, you know, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or diving to the bottom of the ocean or um, running a marathon and that you can keep doing a lot of really good physical activities even as you age, you know. You see 80-year-olds out there playing tennis or or jogging sometimes, not very often, but, uh, you know, it can be done if you keep up your physical activity. I think you can keep feeling healthy and really feeling good in your body as well. Mm-hmm. And you said a beautiful thing to me, Elsa, around that it can do big things but also really the minuscule things that we're able yes, to do. Yes, yes, yes. So like small, you know, needlework, fine fine motor skills, um, create beautiful artworks or yeah, so mm. so big big muscle things, and then just tiny tiny things that may spark just as much joy mm. as uh, as doing the big ones. Yeah, Cardio, what do you think of? Um, I just think it's like absolutely crazy how like it adapts different things. Like just how like if you follow a workout for like a week or something, how like the muscle grows, and I just find that crazy. And like how you think, like your limit is one thing, but like you can really push your body and see like how far I can actually go to what you think can go. I just think it's like, yeah, absolutely crazy about stuff like that. So, okay, we know these amazing things about our bodies. Why then, when we look in the mirror, do we struggle to like what we see? Um, I think it's, for, it's like I said, it's complicated for a lot of reasons, but um, we can't help but when we look around the world, and it used to just be maybe on magazines or billboards, but now it's in our phone like 24-7, a constant stream of new images. Um, and so sort of I guess it's that human condition to compare yourself to others, um, but we set value on appearance. So if we're always looking at this stream of images that are perfected and curated and we're putting value on that, then we're always going to be striving to be something other than what we are. And um, yeah, I think we just place in our society, we get away, we just spoke about all the amazing things that our bodies do for us, but we don't tend to think about that as the first thing when we think about bodies. We tend to think about what they look like and what they look like to other people. And we judge them aesthetically before we judge their function, which is kind of crazy because we don't have bodies, you know, for other people to look at or to, yeah, 
for aesthetic reasons. We have them for function reasons. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, a lot of people can make money off of us because of um, this striving to chase a certain body. There's a lot of people that, you know, any kind of diet company, um, like the diet industry is worth billions of dollars every year. 95% of diets don't work, mm. but yet we keep lining up to try the new one mm. because it promises us this illusion of happiness and success and um, all these things that we attribute our looks to. Um, and then there's, you know, clothing, everything that comes with aesthetics um, can be made man- money off of us as well. So there's a few of the reasons. Yeah, and I think um, off the back of what Jess said, you know, we – we struggle to see, um, you know, the good in our bodies because there's a blurring between what it, what is actually healthy. Um, we we've associated health with um, being thin um, and being pretty, um, and they're really dangerous concepts. And and we should really be um, making sure that we're linking health to body function, um, good body function, um, and healthy body weight. Um, because the definition of health or healthy is isn't um, related to aesthetics, um, and as Jess said, there is there is this overwhelming influence in our lives about um, healthy being good looking. Um, and I know, you know, when I teach um, our younger girls, particularly if you ask the sevens and eights, what what is health? What does a healthy body look like? They would tell you it is thin. It is clear skin. You know, well, clear skin age 12 and 13 is actually very difficult. You know, that's a you know, big hormone stage, and but they associate clear skin with good health. Um, so it's really about teaching um, young people to really explicitly understand what a healthy body looks like um, and, and be really, as I said, be explicit about teaching them that because what they're getting is a very unhealthy view of what healthy is. Yeah, 100%. Mm. It's like, yeah, when people say like, oh, what do you think like a healthy body looks like? Like you always imagine like really like tans, glowing, like hourglass figure, like things like that. You won't like really think about like, I don't know, the stuff you're putting into your body and that stuff. It's more like what it looks like on the outside. And so a lot of girls our age do make like comparisons to what something you think is healthy and pretty to what you look like yourself. And that does cause a bit of problems when it comes to it. Yeah, I think it sets a really high bar and I think we always have to come back to, um, you know, we're not our bodies, like we're just so much more than that and reminding ourselves of that because I think we get confused and because of all this messaging, young people are attributing their worth and their value in this world to what they look like, which is such a messed up idea. So coming back to that and, as you said, giving them the critical skills to unpack exactly what they're seeing and and know that it's kind of false. Um, but, yeah, remembering that they're – there's so much more than that. And always coming back to that. I, I've personally done that on my own Instagram. In my early 20s, I unfollowed everyone that was making me, and I'm not necessarily blaming them, but was making. I was feeling bad about my body by comparing myself to their body. Um, and they were posting a lot of aesthetic pictures. So I unfollowed them and I followed a lot of women who were talking about, um, critically talking about exactly what we're talking about. Or they were showing parts of their body that I don't normally see, like fat rolls or cellulite or stretch marks. And after a while, it almost like reprogrammed my brain. (laughs) I'm not going to say completely because I still, like I said, sometimes have those thoughts, but like I, yeah, I just don't critique my body in that same way anymore. I really have unlearned a lot of these messaging and maybe it helped in my early twenties. It was like early enough, but, um, I found that by curating the images that I was consuming as much as possible, it made a huge difference. And that's the difference with social media is that you can actually curate your feeds. Mm. So you can make the decision right now to go and unfollow a bunch of those people and follow interesting people that are talking about stuff that matters or 
speaking vulnerably or authentically um, and take cues and learning from them. I've learned an awful lot from Instagram, actually, a lot of which is now in this book that I've created. Well, it is an actual fact that being bombarded with images that represent a very rigid version of femaleness um, and a very rigid version of um, what it is to be a woman and a girl interacting with the world, um, there being lack, lack of diversity, all of those things actually does limit your potential. It does shift the way you see yourself in the world and it does mean potentially there are times at which you don't take risks, you don't jump into the half pipe or whatever <laughs> it is. You know, you don't push yourself because you have a limited view of yourself. That's, I mean, that's effectively what self-esteem is, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's the saddest thing to me, I think, is mm. the way that because I think girls do get it worse when it comes to image and being pretty and being beautiful. There's a lot of emphasis put on that. And so, of course, if you're putting emphasis on something and you're finding your worth and value in it, it's going to affect your self-esteem, your confidence, which then affects the trajectory of your life. Mm. Like that, um, I think you're referencing the the Dove research around the Global Confidence Report, but it says that like when a girl doesn't like how she looks, she'll perform worse in mass and comprehension. Um, like seven in 10 won't be assertive in their opinion or stick to a decision, um, see themselves in leadership positions. So this actually, yeah, shapes our culture and, and where girls go, which was a big driver when I was writing Love Your Body because I was like, that's just not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. Mm. And you said to me that this is the work that girls have to do. Unfortunately. Yeah, which... That saddened me because I thought, well, already we're having a layer of work that perhaps boys aren't experiencing just to do the same thing in our day. Yeah, I think that's for a long time been the reality of girls and women and that's what makes me the angriest. I think it's often when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm used to dealing with this as a young woman or a female in the world but when you look at these little girls and you're just like, I don't want you to have to do the go through the struggles that I went through. Mm. I don't want you to have to feel the way that I've felt um, because it is unfair and it's also unnecessary. Like it doesn't have to be this way. We can change the culture. But before I started writing this book, I was getting progressively angrier. I was studying gender studies, <laughs> which really opens your eyes to the world it of can inequality. Can make you angry. Can make you angry. <laughs> <laughs> gender studies. In a good I was, way. <laughs> I was furious, but I channeled that anger into something productive. Um, <laughs> but I kept being to people like, hey, this is just so unfair. Don't you think this is so unfair, this injustice? And everyone was like, that's just how it is for girls, just no, it doesn't doesn't have to be that way. Um, and we all have a personal responsibility to start shifting that, I think. And whether that be in ourselves and doing our own work or, you know, when we see a little girl um, or a young woman, instead of saying the first thing, oh, I love your hair or your outfit's amazing and you look beautiful, just say like, what have you been up to? What are you thinking about the moment? What are you interested in? Like try and get to know them and celebrate their interests and passions and ideas, not just their body. Um, and I recently did a post on Facebook about this and there was a lot of divisiveness about it but I, I recommended a ratio of like nine to ten so for every ten compliments you give can nine be personality and appearance based and interest based because that's really what's important and you know maybe ten percent your looks you can it's yeah. not not something we shouldn't stop doing but I think we should stop doing so much particularly when it comes to girls yeah. and women. What are you reading? One of my favorite questions. What are you reading? What yeah. Are you reading at the moment. Yeah. My problem though is, and I see this in my daughter, she's 11, but her, and you know, we, all three of us in the room have daughters, um, and she's not yet at an age where she realizes she might not fit in with an ideal look. She still just loves just getting dressed up in dress ups and dancing around the lounge room and looking at yourself in the mirror while she's doing that. Um, she hasn't yet realised that there is some ideal that perhaps she does or does not fit into. And I love that she wants to feel beautiful. 
So there's a paradox there for me. Is it okay to want to feel beautiful? And how do we do that within this notion that I still want to focus on who I am and what I do rather than the way I look? I think it's okay to want to feel beautiful and pretty. I think it's like, I know it's a healthy part of esteem, but I think it should just be a part of the esteem, not everything. And mm. and I think we should also open up what that definition is of how we perceive beauty and, and pretty to be more inclusive and broad because there is so much beauty in, in human beings and the human form. But right now we have a very narrow, restrictive, exclusive idea that's not really true. We've just kind of been brainwashed into believing. So if we can break that down and not then, yeah, put all our eggs in the pretty basket and the mm. beautiful basket, then I think you'll have a healthy esteem and it'll be all right. But right now it just seems like a huge chunk of the emphasis, particularly on girls, is put on that, which is just not yeah. cool. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, I have to say, you know, you don't see images of people with cellulite. And so when you see yourself in the mirror with your cellulite, you are told in your mind. That you think that's not normal. That's mm. the problem when it's mm. the most normal thing in the world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. you know, and, and stretch marks, all of it. Um, you But if you don't see it, you think, oh, my God, I'm the only one that has this thing. Mm. And when I wrote Love Your Body, I intentionally put cellulite and stretch marks in the book, um, in the in the illustrations, and it's the first children's book to ever have that. And really? so, of course, yeah. So, wow. of course, you would think your body's not right when you're looking at the body books when you're younger and there's no sign of those things. And so, when I go into primary schools in particular and talk about this, I'm like, you know, do you guys know what a stretch mark is or a cellulite? And they're like, oh, not really. I'm like, well, let me tell you because you'll probably have it at some point. <laughs> so, <laughs> you won't freak out like me when you find stretch marks on your body and you're like, what are these little worms on my skin? <laughs> um, you know, it's just, just normal, like normalizing what's actually normal by showing true diversity. And I think it's starting to change in the media. It's being picked up upon. It's becoming even a little bit trendy and we're showing different bodies, different ethnicities, different abilities and, and things like cellulite and stretch marks in like I saw it on ASOS the other day, like lots of different bodies are being shown. Uh, I think that's a really good start to sort of expose ourselves to what we see really walking down the street every day, just true diversity that's around us, but see it up on these pedestals that we place models in. Um, yeah. It, ha- it occurred to me um, at some point late in my 30s that the amount of time that I had spent doing my hair, I could have possibly added a degree to my qualifications like honestly (laughs) I I had long hair it was stupid I have bad hair hence I cut it off because I was just like what am I doing I'm spending like at least an hour every day on my hair nobody that I'm competing with in the workplace who is male is doing that what a waste of time. What a waste of time for me to go and get my hair coloured and all like in my nails and all that sort of stuff. Why aren't I spending that on myself, mm-hmm. on qualifications or on writing or something that's really contributing to my actual ambition? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's it's um, something to really consider when you're prioritising even your time management. What mm-hmm. is important and does it need to be this, that people are saying? Mm, so true. It's like time is our most valuable resource. Mm. So where are we putting it? Also, like our money as well, because it's really expensive to it get is. your hair done all the time and nails yeah. and all that kind of stuff. This doesn't happen by chance. <laughs> let me tell you. So you know, thinking about the negative images that we hear and the the language around the female body and and what it is to have a female body. Um, I have to also, I think, acknowledge the negative messages around uh, periods and hormones because I always really get cranky about the fact that you only ever hear hormones spoken about when it's PMT. There's never anything other than that 
Whereas there's That's a whole nice. other rest of the month of things going on with our yes. hormones. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I understand that periods are, you know, they're inconvenient and sometimes very painful and, and um, no one really – would be odd to hear someone say, I enjoy getting my period, I guess, I don't know. But – and there's a stigma attached to it which then separates you from, you know, often male-dominated arenas, whether it's work or social life or sport or whatever it might be. So um, it's very hard to look upon our periods and hormones in a positive way, but I really want to wrestle that back and find a way to see that positively. As a GP, am I speaking a crazy language? (laughs) Is it possible? Um, Well, I think hormones are part of the whole milieu in the body that that sort of makes women what they are. I mean, our, Mm. our temperament and you know, ability to do sports and all of those things, all of those things are influenced by by hormones. So it isn't just about the periods. Um, mm. It is just how you feel the rest of the month. And Well, can we can we empower ourselves with understanding more about our cycles? I know that, um, Jess, you've been reading an amazing book that you've actually taken on board some of what you've read there. Yeah, I would really recommend this book. It's called um, Period Power by Maisie Hill. But it comes from, I think, exactly what you're saying, Joe. that empowerment approach of just like how can I – use this knowledge, understand what's happening in my body because I didn't really do biology or any sciences in school. Um, I'm much more of a creative um, person and and went to those subjects, but I really lacked a huge understanding of what was going on in my body each week and each month. Um, so learning about it and then also she, she just writes in a really positive way, but coming from like, all right, in your, she calls them the seasons. So if you, if you read into this book, it's kind of like each week of the month is a different season. But, you know, in winter, when you have got your period, it's time to rest usually. You know, you're not feeling the greatest. Maybe you're not feeling very social and just like taking some self-care time, chilling out, like not scheduling in social things. Um, And then there's other months where you're getting all these great hormones where you're like, I'm really feeling creative or I'm feeling really energetic and I want to try a new thing at the gym or whatever. And sort of trying to utilize how you're feeling and sort of fight against your body. Mm. So working with it, um, like, you were saying before, I think. So that's kind of the approach she takes. And that's something like I'm 26 and I'm like, wow, I really want to adopt this. But for the longest time, I've been like, what an inconvenience um, these hormones Mm. are. What a burden my period is. Mm. Um, And the reality is I'm going to have it for a little while more to come. So (laughs) I want to, yeah, I want to get used to it. I want to make the best out of my cycle and and not feel um, burdened by it. Mm. Yeah. I think I said, was talking to Joe about this on Friday, the, the big has the biggest advantage of being a young female and having your period is that you can be it does provide a much earlier opportunity to engage in your reproductive health than 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 boys of a similar age you know they don't necessarily have that that event um so whilst most people oh this is going to be awful you know this is going to be the rest of your life you know this is going to be horrendous we should actually switch that to this is the start of your reproductive health journey for women particularly. Mm. Now's the time to begin engaging in it. I mean, it's very difficult to have a conversation with an 11-year-old about mm. that. Mm. Um, so I'm, I am being realistic about that. But um, part of, I think, the education around long-term reproductive health starts by getting young girls to engage in their period how it feels. It's okay to feel like that. You know, you will feel sometimes it's going to be hard, sometimes it's not. I suppose that the the underlying message of this part of the conversation or maybe the whole of this conversation is empowering ourselves to feel connected with what your the messages your body is giving mm. you. And if we're learning about the things that our cycle are telling us, 
We're also, at the same time, we want to be intuitive around nutrition and intuitive around exercise and rest. These are the things that hopefully we're able to learn from our bodies. It will tell us what sorts of conversations, Amber, are you having with the girls so that they know, you know, we, we want us, as far as feeling good in our body, that means great nutrition, exercise and, and... That's right. So really from a wellbeing perspective, we talk about the, the important things for wellbeing and health. So, you know, as you said, nutrition and sleep and exercise and mindfulness and, mm. and self-care. Um, and I think this, again, this generation, this generation makes me feel old when I say that. I feel like <laughs> I'm my parents, this generation. Yeah, but well. this generation of learner um, <laughs> is the best at that. Yeah, They're okay. the best at self-care. They're the best at knowing... Oh, about being discerning about what they're eating. Okay, there's there's eating disorders and there's dis you know dis sort of disordered eating, but generally speaking, they know what they should be nourishing their bodies with. They're more in tune with that. Whereas, like, mm. 1995, year 11, Amber didn't mm. just had a dim sim and a slurpee every day. Sure, because but I mean they would never do that now. Oh, what you don't have <laughs> a chip roll yeah. <laughs> every day with yeah. a white roll with butter and I mean crisps. they just would never do that. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> the best. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> and this is why I'm, I'm big on the messaging that actually you're going to be fine. Yeah. Because yeah. No, I agree. You know, you I are so far ahead well. of what. <laughs> so so yeah. then, but let's let's link it to yeah. liking your body. Yeah. It's so much easier to like your body and love who you are in your body when you've got your nutrition right, your mm. sleep right, and your exercise right. Would you agree? Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What's your perspective on that? I think it's like little building bricks. So like the more, and I also think that when you put a brick in, so it might be like a really good night's sleep, then you feel more motivated to eat something like good in the morning and take a bit more time. And then you're like, oh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to meditate maybe mm. sometimes. And like it's sort of, it builds. So I think it's like one step at a time. Don't try and reinvent your whole self-care mm. routine overnight and like take on a whole new ideology, which I think is often sold to us. So just like little bit by little bit integrating things and everyone's going to be different. Like your friend might might really work for them to um, meditate, but you just can't sit still. So maybe yoga is better or, um, you know, your friend's eating this but doesn't agree with you or it's not making you feel satisfied, then, you know, just figuring out what works for you. Mm. I think it's really important. I think, and back to your cycle, I think it's the same. Everyone's different. Everyone's going to have worse days and better days. And I just think it's really important that you're an advocate for your health and no one knows your body better than you do. So being able to tune in and being able to take that information to a doctor. And that's why I say like information is so important. If you can understand your cycle, you can be like, no, this actually isn't right. Because like intense pain is not right. It, there's something going on there and you need to figure out what's going on. And things like endometriosis, which can be a real issue for fertility down the track, often for women it takes like between six and 12 years to be diagnosed with that. So I think it is especially important for us to be like aware of our health, aware of our body, know our body and our cycle really well, and then we can make the best choices for it too. Because I used to go into a doctor, I sort of would blindly assume that they know me and what's going on. But now I realize I've got to collect all this information and bring it in and be my own advocate. Mm. I think information is power and as much as we can get is the better you're going to be health-wise. But I would say that um, it's a skill to learn yes. to hear your body. It's a skill to maybe even keep a diary. Oh, when I eat this, I don't feel great. Or mm. when I exercise, that does this to me. Or, you know, I keep a diary of how you're feeling at certain times of your cycle, whatever that might be. It takes a long time to learn what your body is saying. And I know that, Elsa, you're very passionate about the importance of rest in and amongst our self-care. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um 
that's a, a part of listening to your body and uh, rest is really important when you're trying to recover from an illness or, you know, probably when you get your period, you're not going to be necessarily, if you're feeling a bit under the weather, you're not going to be leaping around as much. So uh, just resting and taking that time to recover, getting adequate um, sleep and having not just rest but quiet time. It might be reading or listening to music or relaxing just so that you, you know, you're not always on the go, I think. Mm. I think there is a, a, a chronic uh, busyness problem in all of us, but young women particularly feel the pressure to not stop yes. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and often they might be studying, working, doing yes. sport, doing multiple mm. extra, extracurricular activities and I think just finding time to, to just be and to, to sit with your thoughts and mm. can be really valuable as well. So there are many things that we've covered off here. Um, and ultimately it comes to this. How do we get to total acceptance of what we have? You could be a Buddhist monk if you're a total acceptance. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting you always have total acceptance, yeah. but how do you get to a point where you know and you believe that your body is amazing? Mm. I think it's it's an easier acceptance for those of us who have kids in the room, but I think I didn't get there until after I'd had the kids. Mm. Um, and you know, for some people that never happens. So that, that can't be the, the defining factor. That was just for me. I think you sort of have your children and you think, oh, that's (laughs) that ideal body, perhaps that I think I'd been talked into and that I should have. Well, that's long gone because I understand the physiology of, of recovering from a pregnancy and carrying children. And, and I think for me, it was very much after that. I'm actually much more comfortable in my own body now. I'm as, uh, and I would be as unfit as I've ever been, Mm. but I'm totally fine with it because, it's not as important anymore because mm. I've, 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 I've gone on the journey that Katia is on, you know, this from at the start of. I feel, you know, I've got obviously the, you have the next phase of your health. So it's understanding that I think that's probably one way to develop greater acceptance is perhaps to understand more explicitly the phases of women's health and, and what it might look like for you mm. from age, you know, maybe 16 or 15 or 14, even as young as period 11. Mm all the way up until when you might hit menopause and and they're on because I think you said before you don't really necessarily engage in your health completely as a woman until you want to have a child. Mm. Unless you have an, an illness and you have got to confront well, it that. Well, sort of happens, yeah, it happens yeah, by accident unless something goes wrong. Wrong. And then, yeah. Otherwise you're like, oh, this is the first time I've really been to a, had a conversation with the doctor about yes. what I'm what's happening with me but if we're wanting to shift as you talk about Jess, shift that uh, thought pattern in our brain to say, oh, look at this body, feel this body, it's amazing. What are the keys to that? I think that it's just, um, I don't know if anyone said this term, but body neutrality, but it's just, and I think you're kind of describing it, it's just being like, uh, like whatever. It is what it is. That's my body. <laughs> and also, you know, it, I'm getting personally my worth and confidence from the work that I do, from the relationships mm. that I have, mm. from the books that I read, from the trips that I, whatever it is, um, I don't look for that um, sense of worth and value and that enoughness in my body. So when I look at it, I see it as just a body mm. and the body that yeah, is aging and I'm not necessarily as fit as I would be now, but mm. I feel neutral towards it because I think I just fill my tank with all these other things and can see my body for what it is, you know, mm. uh, a functional instrument that is amazing, like truly amazing, but, you know, I'm so much more than my body. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's the goal. Yeah. Katia, do you are you aware of how you see your body and do you accept it? Do you like it? 
Yeah, I think I am twinning. Like twinning said, I think I really am. Um, I think it also comes down to like self self confidence as well. So like when you're confident in yourself, you can um, you can kind of like not listen to any other things on the side. And like I've got three other sisters. When it comes to insults, I think I've heard them all. So now, <laughs> now when it comes to, it, I just take it as a joke, and I can just like shrug it off, not care. And so when it comes to self confidence, a lot of like your past experiences make you a lot stronger in yourself. Um, and so I think like it was what, six months ago, we had a lot of issues with training my dog. And so when you're like at that real low, you had to be in a way, pick yourself up and be like, like, let's do this. And so we went through the whole struggle with training my dog and everything like that. And so looking back, it gave you your confidence of what you have achieved. And it just, yeah, it makes you confident in yourself when you're confident in what you're doing, you're confident in your body and I love this. It's, you're focusing on a, a thing that you have done and achieved rather than the way you look in a mirror. Yeah. That's essentially what you're telling us there. Do you have any magic thoughts on this? <laughs> I'm finding acceptance. Um, I think what's already been said, so feeling, so nurturing yourself, um, so those self-care aspects that we talked about um, before, and then finding confidence in many things about yourself besides just your looks. So, um, you know, finding things that you're good at and really pursuing those um, mm. down all different avenues. So, yeah, um, I think that can give you that sense of self-esteem and confidence that will keep you feeling good about yourself no matter what your looks are. Yeah. Uh, this podcast is Girls Unstoppable. So one last question. What do you think makes a girl or a woman unstoppable? Oh, that's such a good question. I never thought about that. Um, I don't know. I think when I think about myself, I think it's, I don't know, it's me, but it's my relationships as well. And just like the people around me that are lifting me up and my female friendships. Um, but I think women have a, it's like a determination combined with like a kindness and empathy. That's really amazing. That can mean that like anything that gets chucked away, we can, we can navigate and just like put our head down and get it done. No. I think probably just that last point there is is reflective of what I think about unstoppable. Um, women are remarkably resilient. Mm. Um, girls. girls are remarkably resilient and we probably don't give ourselves enough credit for that. Um, and that's something that that absolutely feeds into our ability to accept ourselves and um, and make us unstoppable. So the more resilient we need to celebrate our, how resilient we actually are. Most women are. Mm. Um, because of everything that Jess just said then about everything you have to go through. Yeah. Um, but maybe we don't prioritise our resilience as being our big strength and it actually is. Mm. I think um, following your dreams and being able to pick yourself up when you've fallen down or made mistakes and just keep going and striving for what you want to achieve. Katia? Um, I think it's like when you before you're about to face a big obstacle and you think you can't do it, once you've actually overcome that and you think like all you, all the stuff you overcome and think you couldn't have done, I think makes you so unstoppable. It just gives you the feeling of being unstoppable, like you can accomplish anything. I'm very inspired by all four of you. Thank you so much, Amber, Elsa, Jess and Katia. I think a lot about our bodies and how they are ours. And I was really inspired actually, Jess, when you said to me, our bodies don't exist for others. Mm. They don't exist for the benefit of others to judge. 
And so then I think about, well, our bodies are our own to do what we want with, to respect and be curious about, to stretch and challenge, to nurture and be kind to, to enjoy and really, really own. And thinking about that makes me feel quite protective of it. Like, why should I let other people's opinions change how I feel about my body? You know, I wouldn't let someone try to change my opinion of my daughter's body. Like, that makes me fiercely defensive of her. So why aren't I the same for myself? So I think all of those voices out there and all the things that change our opinions of ourselves, they aren't real. What's real is the sensations we feel, the way we can move our muscles, the running that we can do through the Melbourne Zoo. That stuff is real. Your body is amazing and no one can tell you differently because it's yours and it's perfect as it is. And that's it for this episode of Girls Unstoppable. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favourite podcast app and tell a friend. If you have any suggestions on what you would like to hear next, get in touch at girlsunstoppable at strathcona.vic.edu.au.